Amen. As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible and open it up to Luke chapter 13. Also going to be in Matthew chapter 17 as well. We live in a world where an evil man will hide in a hotel room and open fire on an unsuspecting crowd that's attending a music concert in Las Vegas. Live in a world where a maniacal dictator is drawing near to obtaining nuclear weapons. We live in a world where your kids running and playing with their friends at a Friday night high school football game fills mom and dad with great anxiety, particularly if they get beyond your view. Now the truth is, is that ever since sin slithered into Eden, there has been evil abounding. If you read about ancient civilizations, you'll discover that they enslaved, they conquered, they tortured, they oppressed people. There's never been a large society where sex hasn't been perverted, where truth has not been watered down to a point where it was viewed as circumstantial. But now our society is unique in one way. Because of Google and Apple and Samsung, things like the Weather Channel, DirecTV, uh, we have conditioned ourselves to find and gather whatever information we want exactly when we want it and how much of it that we want. And this has created a massive shift within our society. In fact, you see this come out with generations who grew up at different periods in time. A few months ago, we were at my in-law's house up in Riodosa, New Mexico, and we had a generational collision. My mother-in-law was watching this really bad infomercial. I mean, it's a really boring infomercial. And I was like, why are we watching this infomercial? She says, because I'm wanting to watch the news. I'm like, okay, well, why do you want to watch the news? She's like, because I want to watch the weather and find out what the weather's going to be like. And I thought to myself, people watch the news to find out the weather? That's just so foreign to me because I was like, well, I can tell you the weather right now. We don't have to watch this bad infomercial in order to find the sound. She's like, no, 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 no. I like my weatherman, and I trust him more than I trust your phone. And that's just kind of how people gather information. We are the first generation that is adulting in a world where global information is instantly available. Today, the average American spends 9 to 10 hours each day on a screen. Whether it's your phone, a television, a computer screen, 9 to 10 hours a day, the average American has screen time. And we are, we are rewiring the human brain to consume information like an alcoholic consumes alcohol. We consume information, massive amounts of information, every single day. We now have 24-7 news stations where not only do they tell you what's happening, but then people talk about what's happening. I mean, it's like a bunch of junior hires. They just talk and talk and talk and argue. Finally, you just want to say, could you please just stop talking for a few moments, okay? But we sit there and we listen to it, and it just, it just invades our thinking and invades our minds. And it's really, really easy for you and me to live in the grip of fear. But I want you to realize this, that is not 
what the kingdom of God is all about. Jesus calls us to live in faith, not fear. And faith allows me to dream big in a world that tries to scare me into a settled smallness. One time, Jesus' 12 disciples were very frustrated. They were upset because their ministry was not going very well. They would watch Jesus minister, and these miracles would take place, and the crowds were mesmerized with His teaching, and so they came to Jesus, and they said, how come whenever we try it, it doesn't work for us like it does for you? How come we feel like such failures? And Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, He said, because of your little faith, because of your little faith. And then He said something that makes us think a little bit. He says, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So he tells them, here's here's the core of your problem. You don't have faith. You're not trusting in me. You're trusting in your own abilities. And you can't do the impossible In your own ability. So he says, bring your faith to me. And he uses the mustard seed, which was a a very, very small seed. He says, invest your faith in me, and then miracles will happen. Mountains will move. God will do things with you and through you that you could never imagine on your own. You ever tried to climb a mountain? Anybody ever tried to climb a mountain? If you haven't ever done so and you're still physically able, I recommend that you try it. It's a most daunting task. Now, there's a couple of things that become very clear quickly when you try to climb, transcend the mountain. Number one, you begin to realize just how very, very small and insignificant you are. You get out there in the middle of nowhere on a large mountain and and you feel like an ant in your backyard. I mean, you realize your own smallness. This past summer, I was climbing up this path to a place called the Fourth of July Pass. Actually, Adam over here was with me on that hike, and so we we were trying to get up to this place, and man, it was a tough hike. I mean, it was like straight uphill, and finally, we reached the top of the hill, and I was at that point all by myself, and I was in this place that the map called the Panther Potholes. Now, that's reassuring, isn't it? The panther potholes. And you look around, and it looked like you were in the middle of Jurassic Park. These massive trees, everything was overgrown. In fact, the path was only about like this big because the the weeds were grown over it. And as I was walking along this path all by myself, Adam and I had gotten separated, and, and I was all by myself, and I hear this whoosh, and I'm like, what was that? And I turn around, whoosh. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I think I see some, some of the brush move, and I think to myself, there's a bear or a panther out here. I'm in trouble. And so I, I kind of turn around again, and I hear this whoosh, whoosh. And before long, panic kind of set in. And, and I was literally doing this, turning around, looking for this. And everywhere I'd go, I kept hearing this swish. And finally, I just kind of stopped and just laughed because it dawned on me what it was. It was the water in my water bladder that was in my backpack, and it was swishing around in there, and I kept thinking it was an animal coming afterwards. So not only was I all alone, but I wasn't very bright either. So 
at that point, I decided I'm going to walk back and find Adam, and we're going to go through this together because I realize I'm pretty insignificant out here. Well, there's a second thing that you begin to realize whenever you try to move a mountain and transcend it, and number that is that you have to trust the map. You can't see the top all the time. In fact, a lot of times you can't even see more than the turn right in front of you. You just have to trust that the map has laid it out, that the path has been cut, that people will have gone there before you. You have to have some faith. In fact, all of life involves faith. If you really think about it, virtually every area of life involves faith. You're constantly trusting people. You're constantly trusting things that you can't see, things that you can't control, and you're having to make investments of faith. You know that faith is never greater than the object or person in which it is placed. And a lot of times we invest our faith in people that are pretty messed up. And you know what? We wind up being disappointed because people will let you down. People will disappoint you. But God says, place your faith in me. Plant that mustard seed of faith in me and trust in the one who created you. Trust in the one who has no beginning and has no end. The one who sustains and creates the universe. Place your faith in me. Thirdly, if you want to move a mountain, if you're going to get to the other side, it happens little by little. One step at a time. See, this parable used to confuse me a bit. I I struggled with it. I thought to myself, I've never met a Christian who can look at Mount Everest and say, move. And it just moves. I can't can't move a mountain, but, but this is how the mountains move. You just keep walking. You keep hiking. You put one foot in front of the other, and you keep you keep going. You get up each and every day, and you invest faith in your Lord. Each and every day, you place your faith in God to do the impossible, and you just keep moving. You can't see the top. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it feels like you're walking straight uphill. Sometimes it gets a little easier, and you're able to even kind of jog down the hill. Sometimes it's warm. Sometimes it's cold, but you just keep going. Sometimes you feel like, I have absolutely no strength. I, I, I can't make it anymore, and all you can do is find a tree that's about 50 yards in front of you and say, I'm just going to make it from here to there. And so you trust God for those steps, and you make it to the tree, and then you say, okay, God, I see a rock and it's a hundred yards in front of me and I'm just going to trust you to get me from here to there. And you just keep moving and you just keep going and not everyone always likes you. Not everybody always understands you. Sometimes you are misunderstood. Sometimes you run into people that don't believe like you believe and they may even call you names and think that you are a bigot. It can be lonely. It can be isolating, but you just keep on moving and you keep on hiking and you keep on going and before you know it that mountain that was in front of you that seemed so daunting and seemed impossible before you know it that mountain has been moved before you know it it is gone before you know it God has done the impossible and you have seen it happen because little by little one step at a time you trusted God to do what you could never do on your own don't be scared into smallness don't let the darkness of this world 
world drive you into the caves of cowering fear. Don't let the noise drown out your faith. Trust God. Believe in Him one step at a time, one day at a time, one mission at a time. You just trust in God. And whenever you invest your faith in the one who loves you dearly, the one who has always been, mountains will move. Things will happen that go so far beyond you if you just keep trusting, just keep believing, just keep moving one step at a time, one day at a time, God moves mountains. So over in Luke 13, Jesus is talking to a small crowd of his believers, kind of like us this morning, and he tells them two parables, two parables about how the kingdom of God works. You see the first in Luke 13 and verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And what can I compare it to? Well, it's like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the sky nested in its branches. So there's that mustard seed again. Jesus liked to talk about that seed because it was so small and it was seemingly insignificant. Often in Jesus' teaching, it represented faith. And so the mustard seed is planted and then the Lord waters it. And that mustard seed of faith that can move mountains here, Jesus uses it to teach us how whenever a small seed is planted in faith in the right soil, God can grow a tree. God can multiply it. God can use it in ways that go way beyond the initial investment. I think of all the little things that make up this church. Every week for us to have a church, people invest small acts of faith in the Lord. A lot of times you don't even see them. They just happen. After each service, we take an offering. And the ushers go up and down the aisle and they take the offering. It just kind of goes right past you sometimes. But as those checks are put in the offering plate, as people go online and decide, okay, I'm going to start giving to the church, there's little acts of faith where you say, okay, I'm going to tithe my income. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be generous because I want to make this investment in the kingdom of God and I want to support the ministries of my church and I want the ministries of my church to be supporting mission activities so that new churches are being planted around my county and missionaries are being sent uh, around the world so that people who have never heard the gospel will have the story of grace and forgiveness brought to them so that their life can be changed like mine was changed and you make those little investments and it requires faithfulness to do it week after week month after month it requires generosity to give even though you prefer to say okay I just want to hang on to it because what if I lose everything it requires faith and sometimes sacrifice but you give I see little acts of faith that go up and down these hallways each week when adults 
go into classrooms and they teach children the story of the gospel and they spend time sharing God's love with children and people volunteer in the nursery area and they volunteer in the children's area and they volunteer to work with the, 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 the junior hires and the high schoolers and they take those t- time to invest in children. What is that? Those are, those are investments of faith. You see it at VBS when the church comes together and we bring in children from all over the community and we spend a week just planting seeds of faith in the lives of children. Those are investments. Two weeks ago, we had a pumpkin truck drive up out here and there were 2,000 pumpkins to be unloaded. It was an Aggie's worst nightmare, an entire truck full of burnt orange. And and uh, we had to unload that truck, and as we were passing those pumpkins, the skies opened up, and it began pouring down rain upon us. And as I was standing out there passing these pumpkins, I, I thought to myself, uh, they're going to run any minute. Uh, we better pass them quickly, because everybody's going to run to, they're going to go home as fast as they can. But they just kept standing there. I was almost surprised. I was like, wow. Nobody's leaving. Everybody's just continuing to do it. Why? Because we want to get the job done. But besides that, we, we realize that those pumpkins represent opportunities to connect with people in our community. Those pumpkins represent children that we want to send to camp so that they can hear the gospel and so that their lives can be changed. It was a little act of faith, just pumpkin passing, yet God can use that to do things that we never imagined. You volunteer for VBS and you spend that week and it's Thursday night and you're exhausted and you come up here and there's an eight-year-old child that comes to you after the lesson and says, I have some questions. Can you talk with me? And you spend 15 minutes talking with her and answering her questions and she goes off to play and you go off with the rest of your day and the months go by and then one day you're sitting in church and the screen goes up and you see that that eight-year-old girl who's now nine is standing in the baptistry and she's received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and she stands before the church and she professes that Jesus is her Lord and you realize that there was investments of faith that were made in her life that brought her to that moment and you got to be a part of God doing the impossible in her life, bringing life from death. And she paints that picture of Jesus Christ being buried and rising again. And it's a picture of that which we trust in, of that which God uses. It's a picture of how faith goes beyond anything that we can imagine when we take those seeds of faith and we plant them in the soil of the kingdom. Jesus goes on and he says, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? He says in verse 21, it's like, it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it spread through the entire mixture. You see, every day of our lives we make a choice. Am I going to choose faith or fear? Am I going to trust God to take what I have and multiply it? Or am I going to allow fear to imprison me? Is my world going to dream big? Or is my world going to be really, really small? Void of dreams, void of adventure, and absolutely void of risk. Or should I choose faith? To trust that God can do more than I can see. To trust that God can use that little child sitting in my living room with an abundance of energy in ways that I can't imagine. 
The trust that God will even fill in some of the gaps whenever I react in ways that I shouldn't and I find myself still a work in, process as well, a work in progress as well. To believe that God can do the impossible. Jesus says whenever we choose faith, it, it becomes like yeast mixed into the flour. You see, when a baker mixes flour, water, and yeast, starches break down into sugars. I know this is all true because I found it on the internet. Yeast then metabolizes sugars into alcohol and CO2, which then fills air bubbles in the dough and creates a chain reaction. And the dough begins to rise, and little by little, that that lump of dough rises. I can't imagine how big a 50-pound lump of flour would become. But it rises into a loaf of gluten-full bread, delicious bread. And this, my friends, is what God does when we choose faith over fear. This is what God does when we take advantage of those moments when God says, come join me in this. And we say, yes, God, I'll join you. We say, God, I don't have much to give. He says, bring what you have, that mustard seed of faith, and just bring it. And and we take those small acts of faith, and one step at a time, God goes to work. And little by little, He moves mountains. Little by little, He expands the investment. And He does things that we could never do on our own. He builds His kingdom And you get to be a part of it. Your life is not designed to be lived on an island of isolation. Your life was designed to be part of the kingdom of God. God has called you to greatness. Not greatness that you're going to find from looking within, but greatness that you're going to find from looking above. And then you take your talents, your experiences, your abilities, your gift, and you invest them in those things which are eternal. And the power of God multiplies it and does things that go beyond you. In 1952, at the Cotton Bowl Stadium, in the midst of the State Fair of Texas, 13-year-old boy took his seat. A couple months earlier, the 13-year-old boy and his 15-year-old brother had been in a car accident. They were traveling over 100 miles per hour and at the top of a hill collided with another vehicle. They were very, very fortunate to be alive, and God had begun to get their attention. And so that night, the young teenager took his seat, and a preacher by the name of Billy Graham preached that evening. He preached on Samson, and as the preacher preached, God began to stir the heart of that young teenager. The young teenager began to realize his need of salvation, and so when Billy Graham got to the end of the message, he invited people who wanted to come to know Christ to walk the aisle and come down to the field and The 13-year-old boy took that little step of faith and then he took another step and another step and another step and before he knew it, he was down on the field and he was taken to the dugout and there he repented of his sin and he placed his faith in Jesus Christ and he was what we call saved through the blood of Christ. Well, he and his older brother, they went back home because both of them had made this decision and they began praying for their family. 
Their family was an absolute mess. They had a horrible childhood. Their father was an alcoholic. He cheated on their mother. In fact, he began having children with both women. And he was trying to manage two families at the same time. Eventually, he divorced their mother and went to live with the other woman. And he left his children to live in poverty. Because he had a problem with alcohol, they saw him do things to their mother that were horrible. In fact, the, the two boys would sometimes pray when they were little bitty, little bitty guys that the Lord would help them to grow up to be big enough to beat up their dad. That was their dream. But these boys decided, you know what, we're going to start with our siblings. We're going we're to tell them about Christ. And so when summer vacation ended, they went home and began telling their brothers and sisters about what had happened to them. And, and their brothers and sisters got saved. Eventually, the two boys were baptized at the Normandale Baptist Church. And whenever they stood to be baptized, their mom decided to be baptized with them. Not only their mom, but their grandmother decided that she too would be baptized. Eventually, those boys were able to share the gospel with other members of their family and even their father put down the alcohol and trusted Christ. A little boy grew up, became a man. He got married. He did all the things that you do whenever you're building a family. And he was blessed with three children, the youngest of which he named Lashley. Lashley grew up, became a preacher, realized that everybody thinks Lashley's a girl and changed his name to Lash. And that's me. That's how God works. It started out with just one step down those stairs towards the field. One step of faith. He had no clue that God was going to use his faith in this way. He was just following God in the moment, but he was being obedient. And that little mustard seed step of faith, God multiplied and God grew things that we could never imagine. And God does things when we just trust Him. That's how God works. He moves mountains out of the way. He grows trees. He brings light to the darkness when little by little we trust Him. So don't quit. Paul once said, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't be afraid. Don't let all that noise lead you to the caves of cowering fear. Dream big. Keep moving. Put one foot in front of the other. I know some days it seems impossible. Some days all you can do is say, okay, bedtime's 50 yards in front of me, but I'm going to make it to bedtime. And after bedtime, I'm going to make it to morning. And after morning, I'm going to make it to lunch. And after lunch, I'm going to make it to dinner. One step at a time, I'm just going to trust God today. And what God does when we keep trusting Him each step of the way is He does things that go beyond us. He transcends mountains. He grows trees. He provides. He expands. People's eternities are touched. Lives are changed. Little boys grow up and become godly men. Little girls grow up and become godly women Churches grow, the gospel is shared, light is shined into the darkness, lives are changed in the houses around us, communities are transformed, schools are drawn to Christ, 
businesses are changed when God's people simply take step after step after step of faith, trusting Him to do things that we could never do on our own. And I just want to say to you as your pastor, thank you. Thank you so much for the steps of faith that each of you take each and every day and each and every week so that we can have this body of believers that we call church. And when we continue to do that, God will continue to bless, God will continue to move, and He will do things that go beyond anything that we can envision. Don't grow weary in doing good. He's using you for His glory. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads, please, as we come to a time of commitment. The musicians will come and they will lead us in singing. During this time, you may want to sing with them. You may want to spend this time in prayer. You can pray there at your seat. Maybe God is leading you to say, I'd like to serve in a certain area of the ministry. Maybe maybe you came in here today and you were tired and you were confused and the Spirit of God has just spoken to you and just told you, keep on going, don't quit, don't grow weary. And you just need to pray for strength and you need to pray for wisdom and you need to pray that God will drain you of all this fear that captivates you and fill you with a faith that comes from high above. However God's speaking to your heart, just follow Him. I'm here at the front. Maybe today is the day where you need to be saved and you just need to come and come see me and say, Pastor, I need to be saved today. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the people that are in this room. I consider them friends and more than that, I consider them family. We are united together by the most powerful force on earth, the power of Almighty God. And Lord, I pray that we might see that power. I pray that we might take those steps of faith each and every day. And that we will see the power of God multiply our faith and do things that we could never do on our own. Help us, Lord, to trust You for those things that we cannot see. Lord, to realize that You are sovereign and You are in control and we are finite. So help us, Lord, not to spin around in circles in fear, but to look up and to trust in the One who holds all things and creates all things. Father, I pray for the individual that has grown weary. I pray for strength. I pray for the one that comes in here today that is scared. It's hard to admit. We're scared scared of failing, scared of being someone we don't want to be. Scared of what might become with our children, our grandchildren. Lord, help us not to live in fear. Drain us of fear and fill us with faith. And may we go forward trusting you, the one who moves mountains. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen.